play no matter what. All right. Welcome to Cheap Chats with Kevin Hobby and Todd Hagopian. I'm Kevin Hobby. Todd Hagopian, and we have a very special guest for you today. We have Martha Bueno. Did I get that right? You did. Martha, could you take a moment and introduce yourself to the audience? Sure. So my name is Martha Bueno, and I am a libertarian out of Miami. I'm also the Libertarian Party uh, of Miami-Dade's vice chair. I am a community councilwoman. It's an elected position, and I am currently running for Miami-Dade Commissioner District 10. And obviously, you have a lot of spare time on side of that. <laughs> most of us were not born libertarian so what we'd like to start out with is how did you get uh where did you come from and then how did you get to where you are today and then we'll probably dive into all the stuff you just mentioned sounds good so i became a libertarian sometime around 2000 2001 um my parents were republican so i just assumed i was republican i didn't really know any better didn't really follow politics very closely and um, around that time, I had voted for George W. Bush, and I was unhappy with the way things were going in this country. And then, of course, 9-11 happened, and then the war in Afghanistan happened. And I would watch the news very intently, thinking, okay, wait, so the people on the plane weren't Afghanis, but we're going to go to war with Afghanistan. And I just couldn't understand why. So um, kind of did a little soul searching. Uh, my uncle, who... Um, it, you know, it was like, I think you sound like a libertarian. And I was like, really? What's a libertarian? And did some research and I discovered I was a libertarian. Lo and behold, I that sounded like me, somebody who didn't really quite like uh, the government intrusion in our lives, didn't like going to war, didn't like, you know, um, the millions of things that the government was doing and um, became a libertarian. I didn't actually register libertarian. I just started calling myself one. I didn't really know the difference um, it's not until you're really in the party that you realize we need the numbers, you know, join, change your, your registration. So um, somewhere in 2016, I saw that Gary Johnson um, was hosting a party in New Mexico for election night. I was like, you know what? I totally want to go to this. I mean, it was kind of a whim. And I went out there and I worked the poll that day for, you know, I got actually the one in his home district. So I met a lot of people that would come up to me and be like, oh, I love Gary Johnson, but I mean, he's such a great guy. My kids go to, went to school with him or he was this or that or the other thing, but I have to vote for, you know, at that time it was either Trump or Hillary. And it's like, I have to vote for them because I can't let the other one win. And so that's really when I realized I have to get more active. I have to do something because it just drives me crazy that people don't know that there's another option. And um, I think we're doing a little better, uh, you know, from that time till now, people don't ask me anymore what a libertarian is. Now they just say, oh, those crazy libertarians. So we're getting there, we're getting, we're getting somewhere, but it was a slow roll from 2000 to 2016. Very interesting. So from 2000 to 2016, were you actually voting libertarian or were you just talking libertarian and learning libertarianism? All of the above. Actually in 2008, uh, my now 20 year old son was in second grade and his second grade teacher gave them a project of bringing a picture of who your parents are voting for. And so there goes my son with a photo of, um, who was it at the time? Um, oh, I'm drawing a blank. Um, 
It was Wayne Allen Root and the Republican. No, 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 the Libertarian. I know. Oh man, and I know. I totally forgot. Oh, Bob Barr. Bob Barr. <laughs> That's what I meant by the Republican. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know what? I wasn't involved in the party back then, so I didn't know that. That's yeah, what neither was I. I just knew who you were talking about. <laughs> yeah. So I brought. He brought in a picture of Bob Barr, and the teacher gave him an F. And so I promptly had to go to school and like educate the teacher that there's more than two parties. So I was definitely a libertarian. I was speaking libertarian. You know, I was reading things. And I just didn't become involved right after the, the Gary Johnson thing, the Miami Dade chapter reached out to me and I realized that I had a chapter closer to home than I didn't have to fly all the way to Albuquerque. And so I joined and a few months later, it was, it was like, you know, they, they hook you and then they don't let you leave. So a few months later, I became the vice chair and I've been the vice chair for four years now. So mm -hmm. They, yeah, they haven't let me leave. So anybody joining the Miami-Dade party, come prepared because we won't let you leave. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin knows a little bit about that. I do, I do. I, uh, I actually, <clears throat> let's see, I joined a campaign, a city council campaign while I was still registered independent. Um, then they had to make a they had to make a standing role to allow me to be a delegate because I was still a registered independent. Even though I was a dues paying member of the party, I was still a registered independent. And then I won as vice chair <laughs> at that same convention in the same day. And, uh, you know, had to register then, huh? I would also like to point out that you guys were both further along than me in 2008. I just graduated high school and worked on the Obama campaign, who I thought was a really conservative guy, but I was going to vote for him anyways. <laughs> right. Well, I am a little older than you. So, you know, right. that's why I was further ahead. I already had kids, you know, <laughs> as well on my way in, into adulthood. So I, I, these things were important to me. I also was a business owner. And so, um, you know, one of the main things for me was that silent partner that I had that um, in the good times and in the bad times, I had to send them a major check. And, um, you know, that, that partner, um, really was a weight around my neck. And so that was another big push into, yep, I'm definitely a libertarian because, um, you know, we had problems with 2005, we had three hurricanes come through Miami. We had Katrina, Rita and Wilma. And so everybody remembers Katrina. They remember it over in, uh, Louisiana, in New Orleans, um, we had him first. We had her first. It wasn't too bad. Then we had Rita. It wasn't too bad for us. And then Wilma, which was like the least of all the hurricanes, ripped through my business and completely de devastated it. We were shut down for over six months. I moved all the employees into my, my house. They were sitting around the kitchen table and, you know, trying to keep up with work there. And there was my silent partner demanding uh, when I was taking food from my own family to, to be able to continue to pay for these employees and be, continue to be able to, to do things. Um, there was that sideline partner like, well, we don't care. You owe us. And not only do you owe us, you owe us, you know, prepaid and you owe us all these fees and all these things. So, man, the government really likes to take money from people. Yeah, my favorite part about the, the silent partner is that you also have to guess how much you owe them. And if you guess <laughs> wrong, then they can put you in a cage. Yeah. So, and charge you extra fees and so. charge you extra fees. Right. And so, you know, when, when every penny counts, yeah, oh man, it was such a hard thing to, to pay them. 
Um, you know, I, I love to be able to help others. I just don't feel that my contribution to the U.S. government is really helping others. I mean, it's helping others drop bombs on people or helping put other people in cages. It's just not the, the help that I'm used to. Are you sure about that? I was told that all of it goes to roads. Are we positive? Do we have any like data? Mm, pretty sure we spend a few trillion on war every year, but I could be wrong. It could all be roads. Maybe we've paved the entire United States by now a few times over. So <laughs> I should uh, clarify something that was said a few minutes ago. Uh, Martha, you've actually been a libertarian far longer than me. So I didn't mean to apply, imply otherwise. I was a libertarian starting in 2016, Kevin. Uh, so Martha has been a libertarian a lot longer. Um, interestingly enough, all three of us are either business owners or former business owners. Uh, that has been a theme, Kevin, that we've seen as we've started talking to people inside this party. Uh, Martha, what do you think about that? Why do you think that that is happening? And how do you think that's going to affect the party as we get more and more business owners involved, um, specifically in actually growing the party? I mean, that's an amazing news, honestly. I think that business owners, because they're in that position where they have to pay employees, they have to pay the employee tax, they get to see, you know, employees only see one side of it, they see what's taken out of their check, but they don't see the other side, they don't see that that same amount is taken from the the business on their behalf. So if if employees saw that whole number that they're giving up to the government, I think more employees would become libertarians. So business owners were really affected by taxes by what the government decides. Uh, the barriers to entry that they create for business owners. Um, that's probably why there's a larger number of entrepreneurs and business owners in, in the Libertarian Party. And I think it's amazing. I mean, come on, you have a whole group of people that know how to get stuff done and create stuff and promote stuff. We need all of them. All of them should come join us and help build this thing because um, we have a good thing going. I think we really do have something that's special and unique. And um, no matter where I go and I meet people across this party from, you know, every, everywhere with uh, with Joe Jorgensen's campaign, I was able to travel even though it was through COVID and I met so many wonderful people. So I really think we have something special. There's a few people in the party that like to really shout really loudly how we're doing something wrong or how something is terrible and the, you know, the sky's falling on us, but oh, over and above, I think we're, it's kind of a fun group. You know, we all believe in liberty. We all believe in do what you want and just leave me alone. I think it's, it's a swell group. I'm, I'm really happy that uh, I found the Libertarian Party and that I've continued to work in it and get to meet all these people. So I'm going to ask a question that might sound a little like the people shouting on the rooftop for a second. <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> uh, so you have your business, you've grown it. I have my business, I'm growing it. Kevin has his business, he exited uh, successfully. Um, we're all really good at growing businesses. Why do we suck so bad at growing the party? Because we're used to doing it all on our own and having full control. And I don't think we're good at this. We're <laughs> not good at delegating. We're not good at telling other people, um, you know, how to do things. And, and it's our individuality too. Um, and then there's a lot of individuals in this party that um, are maybe different than what we're used to. And, 
being a libertarian doesn't mean that you know how to deal with these things. Um, a lot of people, I mean, I think the, the principle of libertarianism is you can be whatever you want as long as it doesn't affect me. So you can be a racist, just don't affect me, you know, with your racism. You can be bigoted, you can be all these things, just don't, you know, don't mess with my freedoms. So it's not that we're saying we're a party where everybody just kumbaya and we all get along. We're just, you know, <laughs> maybe keep it to yourself more, people. <laughs> let's switch gears for a minute. We might come back to that, but let's talk about some of your experiences inside the party because uh, I think this is important. I think a lot of people are trying to get involved more and they're at that tipping point where they're trying to decide whether they want to be an internet mouthpiece or whether they want to, you know, jump in with both feet and take on a bunch of roles, right? So we like to hear about what roles people have had, what they liked, what they didn't like. Obviously, everyone's going to find their own path, but just so people can figure out what's available to them, kind of walk through some of the things you've done inside the party and what you really liked and, and what could have been better or how you could have made it better. Okay, so I've been vice chair now for four years. It's a role I like. I don't think I've done the best job. I really wish I would have grown our local affiliate more. Um, I think it's a role that takes growing into. So that one, um, you know, people joining the, the vice chair, at least for the Miami-Dade chapter, is a role where we're supposed to, um, we're the voice of, of our local chapter. So anybody stepping into that role should like to be out in front and center um, and talk and write articles. So in that capacity, I think I could do much better. Um, I'm not gonna, you know, I, I think that that we, I, I'm not gonna run again for vice chair. So I really would like to find somebody that can fill this role and do a better job in it. Um, I did uh, Hispanic outreach for Joe Jorgensen's campaign. I realized that I really like that. And so I've continued to do the Hispanic outreach now, not for a campaign, just on my own with my good friend, Zach Foster. Um, so we do we do a show on LPTV every Wednesday night at nine o'clock, all in Spanish that, um, you know, I, and, and also outreach. So uh, for people that don't know Zach Foster, it kind of runs an underground railroad for Venezuela. Him and Dr. Kyle Varner have gotten a few people out of Venezuela, um, including Franklin Camargo, who was a 20, at the time, 21-year-old uh, medical student in Venezuela who was threatened and um, accused of terrorist activities because he spoke out against his teachers. And so um, it's a great honor for me to work with these gentlemen. You know, they, uh, Dr. Varner has gone to the border of Venezuela to offer free uh, health care, you know, take care of patients. So um, the Hispanic outreach is really my, it's where my passion lies. It's what I love to do. Um, and then now running for commissioner. I mean, I go and I speak in front of the commission all the time or as much as I can. And I realized that I wasn't, it wasn't landing, you know, I can prepare and I can find what the problem is and I can explain it to them, but it's a two minute thing. And in those two minutes, no matter how many people you bring, the commissioners already know how they're going to vote and they don't really change it, you know? And so I realized that if I really wanted to make an impact, I had to run for a seat. And even if I don't win, which I'm, I'm, I'm running a campaign to win, don't get me wrong. But even if I don't win, I have 18 months of a bully pulpit. 
Uh, I get to tell people how what what's going on and people actually care. It's it's amazing. I'm the same Martha I was a few weeks ago, but this Martha, people really want to hear from her. And the one from a few weeks ago, not so much. So I think running for a seat gives you a voice, gives you um, the opportunity to talk to people and tell them, you know, what's going on. So those are the the roles, the main roles I've had. And those are the, you know, the ones I'm I'm enjoying the most are the, the most recent ones. Talk a little bit more about the position you're running for, just so people are familiar. Sure. So it's Miami-Dade Commissioner, District 10. So Miami has two sets of commissioners. We have the county, um, and then we have the city of Miami. I'm going for the county role. Um, there's about 3 million people in Miami-Dade County, um, and our budget is $9 billion. It's wow. a big budget. It's, uh, we are the seventh largest county in the United States, so it's a big seat. And what we do is we, we work on the, the budget, the finances of Miami-Dade County. There's a few other resolutions that they, you know, they um, decide affordable housing and um, homeless issues. They, they take care of other things, but primarily it is a um, financial role. And so I think that I, with my experience in business and my just, I, I, I see through a lot of the stuff that they're doing and I research it and I, I think I'm really well suited for the seat. I absolutely hate corruption. I think corruption is the bane of my existence. Um, you know, our commissioners get paid $6,000 a year for this job. It's a full-time job. So right at the start, it's almost like corruption is baked into it. The, the 13 commissioners on this board, their entire budget for their office, their office staff, and for themselves is $20 million. But they get paid $6,000 a year. But then they get cars and cell phones and additional perks and benefits and office. Um, they get more, you know, uh, a budget for their office and a whole big staff and all these great things, right? But Miami-Dade is on the hook for $20 million so that people can have awesome offices. And as a business owner, I mean, I had a 36,000 square foot warehouse in the middle of Miami and I wasn't, I, you know, I was paying about $20,000 a month for it, which is really high. But if you're, if you're a, a commissioner and you need that same budget and, you know, that's, that's actually low considering that each commissioner is probably getting about a million dollars for their, for their office. So I mean, something is wrong somewhere. <laughs> I haven't been able to figure out where it goes, but there's something wrong in that picture. So um, I'm hoping to uncover where all that money's going and um, maybe fix that budget a bit. I like that. I think it's a good story. Um, it's a good story to introduce people to the concept. Um, I know around here, you know, folks don't necessarily know what commissioners do and, and whatnot. I like that story. Now, that is a very Hispanic area. Is that correct? That is correct. Miami-Dade is very Hispanic. I like to say that we're as close to the United States as you could possibly be, but still be in Latin America. Um, <laughs> you know, if you go up just, you know, just the county over to Broward County, it's, you know, not as Hispanic as Miami-Dade. Uh, the vast majority of people here are, are Hispanic. Okay. Um, my wife is Colombian uh, and I, I, have been fascinated by this in the libertarian movement because it doesn't appear that we've made the inroads we could, um, right. but but we have had some people starting to, <clears throat> such as yourself. I believe Hornberger had some Hispanic outreach during his campaign with mixed results. Um, 
what what are you seeing down there? What are you seeing through your Hispanic outreach that you did through Joe? Um, and where does it go from here? So with Joe, I had very little time. I didn't start when she got um, the position as our nominee. I started further down the line. And so it was very little time to really, especially because I, I don't have um, the credentials, you know, I'm not exactly, I'm not a journalist. I, you know, there's, I didn't have press, you know, it was, it was very difficult really to get her message out, um, which led me to Libertario Hispanos, you know, the show that we're doing, because I think we need more time and I have four years until the next election. So yeah, it's a, it's a work in progress. I think that the Libertarian Party just really didn't have a Spanish, you know, any Spanish material, really. It's not the same. You can hand out cards all day and all sorts of different things. And it's just not the same as being able to speak to people, have events. And then um, really the mission is more than just the United States. Um, I think that liberty doesn't end at our borders. And we've been having more of an impact um, connecting with libertarian parties around Latin America, the Caribbean, and Spain. So we've been able to, so for example, this week um, on Friday, I'm having an event with Gloria Alvarez and Antonella Marti here in Miami. They're both huge libertarian stars in Latin America. Uh, Gloria Alvarez ran for president of Guatemala. Um, she was too young for the spot. She did it mostly to call attention. Again, that bully pulpit where you can speak and, and do all these things and people actually care about you. Um, but also she she's written several books and she's traveled and on goes on speaking engagements. She does a lot for Reason Magazine and then Antonella Marti, similarly, uh, she's from Argentina. She does a lot of speaking engagements. She's written several books. Um, she's, you know, just great all around people. So that helps connect Latin America to our mission. And so, um, so far we've been able to help um, Puerto Rico wants a libertarian branch, although they can't vote for govern, uh, for president, sorry, they can still come to our, um, our conventions and have a voice as well. So we're helping to hopefully start, help them start their party down there in Puerto Rico. Um, I know Zach was a part with uh, starting the libertarian movement in Venezuela. Uh, there's a libertarian movement in Cuba. And for the first time in years, there's no Cuban libertarian in jail in Cuba. So that's a pretty big deal for us. Um, yeah, so, you know, we, we've been able to, to connect with other people who share our ideas and help us promote, um, you know, the Mexican party will share our, our materials. And um, I just think it's, it's awesome. It's awesome to be able to connect with people all, all around, uh, I'd like to say the world, but really just Latin America and, and Spain, the Spanish speaking countries. I want to give a shout out to Zach Foster too, because that guy's awesome. He's the funniest person on Twitter if you're not following him. He is <laughs> He's spectacular. He is. I love him to pieces. He's my uh, partner in crime on pretty much everything. <laughs> yeah, we're trying to get him on right now. He's he's great. I really like that guy. I may have a connect. Talk yeah. to me after this. Yeah. <laughs> Can definitely get him to you. Um, but yeah, he's a great guy. Um, you know, military vet, uh, you know, just... And I think that was his awakening to, to libertarianism too, is, you know, a lot of veterans come back from the wars and see what, see what's going on over there and then decide that uh, they're neither Republican or Democrat. So yes, definitely you need to get Zach on here and he is hilarious. I enjoy, we have that show every Wednesday night and I, I always laugh and he always, you know, he's great. What do you find in, 
in the Latin American countries. Uh, one thing I've noticed in discussions with my wife, who's gotten much more political since becoming a citizen over the last several years here. Um, and what I find is her, her issue, without talking too much about my wife, because she hates that, but her issues are kind of all over the place. Sometimes she would agree with me 100%. Other times she'd be wrong and agree with Kevin 100% of the time. And then, and then every now and then, you know, she's way, you know, off and I, can, I don't even know what party that would be a part of, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, and so, and, and the reasoning we can tell is their parties are very different than our parties, right? So they have different platforms and they don't line up. Um, but as far as libertarians go, what countries have you made the best progress in? Are they, are those parties really similar to our parties? You know, how close uh, are the libertarian parties as you go country to country? Oh boy, I don't think I know enough about their platforms. The people individually I speak to generally have the same beliefs. I know that for um, Gloria Alvarez, for example, she gets clobbered all over Twitter for, um, her views on women and women's reproductive rights, you know, in her country of Guatemala, there's, they, they still have a problem with young girls being sold to, you know, forced marriages or married at really young ages. And so, you know, um, those types of issues, abortion issues, women's rights um, are a bit different. Um, Latin America tends to be a very macho culture, very um, Catholic um, very religious. So those issues are very different. Um, I think in the United States, we're kind of used to pro or against abortion over there. It's, it's like intense. Um, yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's probably the biggest thing that we have um, that is not similar. Everything else, I really, I haven't noticed much. Um, yeah, I think we're pretty similar across the boards. The actual stances on things, pretty close. Very cool. Yeah, um, maybe with Venezuela, especially they they want sanctions. Still, uh, most Venezuelans I talk to want sanctions against their country, whereas um, I, I'm not sure that I, I follow that. You know that entirely. I would like to see sanctions against the people in power who steal money and are corrupt and then come to the United States. I'd love to see those sanctions so that they can't touch their money here. That type of stuff, not entirely on the country because. You know, I've seen it for 62 years with Cuba. If you can't get things into the island, the people are the ones that suffer. The people at the top, I mean, they eat every day and they've got, you know, they've got everything. It's the people at, you know, the people in the country that need medicines, that need things imported. They can't get them. So um, that's probably another big difference is just how we would deal with those things. Um, and then drugs. Um I think most people, because it's, it's been such a bad, you know, everybody thinks that drugs are bad and evil and yada, yada. Um, I think that's another probably big issue, but I find more consensus on that because I think most people can agree that the war on drugs that the United States has is the reason why all these countries have so many issues, you know, um, the, the war on drugs fuels the narco regime. So the moment we remove the war on drugs, um, Cuba and Venezuela all of a sudden won't have the money that they have to torture and oppress their citizens. Um, they are the ones that run illicit drugs into the United States. Uh, in the United States, we're the consumers. We don't grow it. We don't process it. But every, you know, most countries in Latin America do. And then it's the Cuban and Venezuelan regimes that get it to us here. So I think that um, 
making the war on drugs go away, which is something that all libertarians agree on, most Americans don't realize how much it affects um, life in Latin America. And in turn, how much it affects our immigration. You know, people are upset that we have so many immigrants. Well, you know, it kind of doesn't help that we're screwing up their countries for them. And so they want to come here. We really need to um, make that message clear. I'm, I'm all for immigration. My parents are immigrants. I was born here by the hair on my chinny chin chin. Uh, my brother was born in Cuba. So I, I feel like I'm an immigrant that just got lucky and, and have an American passport. Um, but I, you know, I, I think that immigration is amazing and wonderful and, and all these things. But if you want less of it, definitely let's stop creating problems in Latin America for people, Latin America and Central America. So piggybacking off of uh, Cuba, Venezuela, all that, I see you all day going to battle with people that uh, tell you that you're wrong about Venezuela and Cuban governments and what life is there, like there, et cetera, et cetera. Can, can you touch on that for a minute? Because I, I find it super interesting. It's my favorite thing. Is it? Um, I find it really funny that when I look at their Twitter posting, it's always like um, for iPhone, Twitter for iPhone. It's like, oh, so... People like to tell me I don't know what communism or socialism is, despite the fact that my parents are uh, Cubans who had to escape the island. And then when I was a child growing up, I lived in Venezuela for many years before the Chavez regime. And, um, you know, it's it, I lived through it and I lived through it because I have not been able to visit Cuba. I've not been able I wasn't able to meet my grandparents. I have entire families that I, you know, an entire section of my family that it's, it's almost an unknown because I can't have access to them. Now with internet, I do, and I'm able to communicate with them and we're able to exchange ideas. But um, yeah, I, I've lived my entire life hearing about this, this, you know, the difference between America and what my parents went through in Cuba. And on top of that, my parents' story is kind of awesome. I, I think my parents are pretty cool. Um, my father tried to leave Cuba and got caught and thrown in jail. And he was given a sentence of six to eight years. And after six months of hardly of, of being in, in like prison prison, he was moved to the fields to like work because, you know, good behavior or whatnot. And my mom was able to break him out of jail and um, <laughs> and drive him across Cuba to um, to this town right out of outside of Guantanamo Bay, where he stayed for about a month hiding out, and then you know you escaped through an outhouse into Guantanamo Bay and swam across the bay or a section of the bay to the Guantanamo base, and that's how he got to America. Once he reached uh, Guantanamo base, the uh, officers that were around pulled him out of the water, and um, a few days later flew him to New Jersey. So, I mean. My father went through so much to get, you know, himself out. And then two years later, my mom, my my brother, my older brother um, and my grandparents and my uncle. So, you know, I, I've seen the sacrifice. I've heard the sacrifice my whole life. Um, you know, most Americans, you can just hop on a plane and go anywhere in the world. We don't know what it's like to be forced to stay within our borders. We don't know what it's like to live um, a life like that. And so to be told that I don't understand it and I don't know it, it drives me crazy. Of course I understand it. This is my life. I've lived it for 40 plus years. So yeah, it's, you know, and, and now I get uh, an article at least once a week on my Twitter battles with uh, either the socialist party or socialists in general. And I love it. I love being the anti-socialist uh, 
libertarian or whatever. Yeah, you've kind of you've kind of taken that helm. Um, we're we're getting kind of close on time, but I want to talk about your most recent battle. So, um, what's it like being a a rich? I forget what it was. Your father came and mother came from money, and right you don't understand what it's like you just exploited labor and if you paid your people 15 an hour then you'd be right on board can, can you speak on that sure so first off when i created these businesses it was the early 2000s so when people are telling me did you pay your employees 15 dollars an hour no i didn't and no did no nobody else did either 15 dollars an hour was like an engineer at the time come on um so you know i think um whatever minimum wage was, I never paid that. I always paid better, but I didn't even have an employee for about maybe a year and a half, two years after I created the business. So um, I, I don't get the concept that socialists really believe that, ex, you know, creating a business is somehow exploiting somebody else. If anything, I was exploiting myself and my own labor. But, um, and, and they also believe that everybody that created a company is rich. And then I was told that my parents come from money, which is hilarious, especially since even if that was the case, they had to leave everything behind, which it wasn't. Um, my parents were normal middle-class Cubans um, that, you know, so Fidel took over in Cuba in 1959. My parents were teenagers. Um, you know, it, it, it's kind of funny that, that people really believe that um, Cubans, you know, have anything really at this point. So... <laughs> Yeah, that, I, I just love it. I love watching your battles on there. Well, um, do you want to plug your stuff? Um, sure. Um, so if anybody else wants to join me on Twitter to battle the communists and socialists, I'm on Twitter as Martha Bueno 18 I'm on Instagram as martha for miami although I don't battle socialists really there. And uh, Facebook, martha for miami on Facebook. Well, thank you, Martha. This was fantastic. It was great learning about you. We definitely want to have you back on. Um, keep doing the Hispanic outreach. We're looking forward to seeing how that progresses over the next few years. If you get a candidate who you really think speaks to that, we want to hear about it and then get them on uh, to talk as well about that strategy. Absolutely. We'll do. Thank you guys so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Oh, hey, I'm Kevin. I'm here, too.